Well, we've been preaching, I've been preaching through the book of Galatians, a letter written by a man who was, uh, grew up extremely religious. He grew up in the most rigid, strict, religious upbringing that anybody could. And uh, like all religions, now this is true, every religious system that uh, teaches that people can achieve God's favor by their performance, every one of them, all of them, whether it's Christianity or whether it's Islam or whether it's Buddhism or whatever it is, every religious system that urges people to try to earn God's favor by their performance puts people in bondage. All of them do. And uh, so Paul, Saul, his name was before he became Paul, had grown up in that kind of religious system. And uh, it always leads to pride, for one thing. It always leads to shame if you don't live up to the system. It always leads to greed because almost all religious systems end up... uh, Getting people to pay them for their, in order to get favor. Many times it even leads to lust. And uh, it's just a corrupt thing. And it, it puts people in bondage. And Paul was in that for so many years. And uh, another thing it leads to is anger. And even hatred. If people don't believe the way you believe, you tend to, to want to hurt them, punish them, even kill them. Isn't that amazing? And all that is done in the name of religion. And so uh, Saul was in that. And uh, <clears throat> he hated Christians because there had come this man, Jesus, who had died on a cross, had been raised from the dead, and his disciples began to teach people that uh, Religion was not the answer. That religion put people in bondage. That in fact, Christ came to set people free. And uh, he had even said, whoever the Son sets free is really free. And uh, But Saul hated that. Because it went against all that he had always been taught and believed. And, and after all, he was working so hard to try to progress upward in the religious system that he was in. And he hated Christians so much that he got permission to actually go and arrest Christians, followers of Jesus, and put them in prison, persecute them, and even kill them. He had actually been present and probably the chief accuser when Stephen, the first martyr of the Christian faith, was killed. And uh, the Bible says that he got letters to go to Damascus up in Syria and to arrest Christians there because he had heard that there was a group of believers, followers of Jesus up there. And the Bible says that he went breathing out threatenings as though 
Greek phrase there is like a bull that's snorting. Just, I'm not too good of a snorter, but uh, I'm afraid to try it too well. But uh, he went snorting, breathing out threatenings against the believers there. But on the way, he got arrested, not by the police, not by the soldiers, but by God himself, by Jesus. And as he drew near Damascus, the Bible says that there was suddenly a bright light that shone and a voice that he heard speaking right out of the sky. And this voice said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? To which Saul, who by this time had fallen down on the ground, was he on a horse, do you think? Do you picture him on a horse or was he walking? How many of you think he was on a horse? Uh, no, okay, one or two. Yeah, I've always kind of pictured him on a horse. I don't know why, but there's no mention of a horse. So I don't know whether he's on a horse or not. But he, he fell to the ground. Hope he wasn't on a horse because that would have been a longer fall, wouldn't it? But he falls to the ground, and then he answers the voice and said, who, who are you? Who's talking to me? And the voice said, I am Jesus whom you're persecuting. And suddenly, and over the next few days especially, a radical transformation took place in this persecutor of Christians. And rather than being a persecutor of Jesus, he became a lover and a follower of Jesus. And for the next few years, he studied his Old Testament, which was the only scripture he had. And every place he looked in that Bible, he saw Jesus. And he saw, well, this whole thing, it hadn't been about rules and regulations and religious systems. It's all been about Jesus. Well, I was never able to see that. But he did see it now. And then a few years later, as he attached himself to a group of believers up in Antioch, they said, we want to send you and Barnabas out to share this gospel, this good news with people everywhere. And so they went and they traveled a pretty lengthy way and they ended up in some towns up in the area we call Galatia. It was Celtic people actually. And, uh, and these were pagan people. They were people who also were involved in religion, but it was the Roman religion. And they, they worshipped all the pagan gods and goddesses, and they offered sacrifices. And they did everything they could try to do to somehow or another earn favor with the gods. But they knew they weren't perfect. They knew they weren't good enough. That's the thing about all religious people. They know they're not good enough. And so uh, Paul goes into this area and he preaches to them this wonderful gospel. And here's the gospel. He told them, God loves sinners. Jesus came to this earth and he actually took our sin upon himself. And he died on a cross to pay for your sin and for my sin. 
And then he was buried, and three days later, God raised him from the dead. And now he offers to you eternal life. He says, I will take your sin, and I will give you my life. And you will be free. And these people heard that good news, and they believed it. And they said, this is almost too good to be true. But we believe it is true. And they became followers of Jesus. And Paul was so excited. He stayed there for a few months, and he trained them and taught them and helped them understand that all this religious stuff, that's that's just religious stuff. It doesn't make you right with God. It doesn't give you any holiness. It doesn't really do anything for you except lock you up in a little prison. And, uh, and they were so happy. And they, I imagine they sang Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound. Hadn't been written yet, but I'm sure they sang it. And I'm sure they sang some of the songs we sang this morning. And they said, oh, this is wonderful to be a believer in Jesus to know that I, I don't have to do a bunch of stuff to be accepted by God I'm accepted in Christ isn't that great news yeah wonderful and uh, so Paul goes back home and almost immediately a bunch of religious people show up where Paul had been and begins to tell these people who told you who told you that just believing in Jesus was enough? And they said, well, it was Paul. We love Paul. In fact, when he came here, we just we loved him so much that we would have gouged our eyes out and given them to him if he needed them. We just, he was so special. And these people said, Paul, he's a jerk. He's a phony. He is a fraud. Don't believe what he said. He has led you astray. What you have to do, you pagan Gentile people, you have to become like us. You have to get into our religious system. You men will have to be circumcised. And, and, and then you have to change the way you eat. And you have to follow all the laws. There are 613 laws. And you have to live by those laws. And then if you live by them perfectly, God will accept you. And they said, well, shucks. Or something like that. They said, Paul told us that there's just one thing we have to do, and that's to really trust and love Jesus. They said, no. You do have to trust Jesus, but you got to do all this law stuff too. And so they said, I guess, I guess we'll do that. And they began to follow the law. And the word got back to Paul, and it so upset him. He sat down and he wrote a letter to them. And we actually have that letter today. Isn't that amazing? We have that letter that he wrote to us, and it's called the book of Galatians. But it wasn't a book. It was a letter. And he just wrote him a letter, and he said, I'm just so shocked. I can't believe. 
after I so shared with you so clearly and so simply the gospel, I can't believe that you're laying all that aside and now you're wanting to, to get into some kind of religious system that will just put you in prison. And uh, in this letter, he says in chapter 5, we'll actually look at some in chapter 4 a little bit later, maybe, or maybe next Sunday. But in chapter 5, verse 1, he says, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Isn't freedom a great thing? I mean, just this, just what, this, this week we celebrated the 75th anniversary of D-Day. And we just recently celebrated Memorial Day. And we, we, we think about America as the land of the free. Well, freedom is a great thing. But freedom is so misunderstood. Did you know, if I were to ask you, what does freedom mean? What is freedom? Well, some people would say, well, I guess freedom is the right to do whatever I want to do. When I want to do it, with whoever I want to do it, without fear of consequences. Is that freedom? No, that's not freedom at all. In fact, that's another kind of slavery. Freedom is the ability and the desire to do what is really right, what, is, what God wants me to do, and to do it in such a way that it will give me joy today, joy next week, and joy a thousand years from now. That's real freedom. That's real freedom. The desire and the ability to do the right thing. Man, God wants us to be free. He said it is for free, that kind of freedom, that God set us free. Well, then what, what's the possibility of being a slave to? Well, we're, the Bible says we're slaves to sin. All have sinned. You've sinned, I've sinned, we've all sinned. But not only have we sinned, before we come to Christ, we're actually a a slave to sin. We can't not sin. Seems like everything we do comes out of a heart that's selfish and sinful. So we're a slave to sin. But we can also be a slave to uh, fear. And the Bible says, in fact, uh, in... Uh, Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14 and 15, I think it says. don't have my glasses on. I know they're around my neck, but I'll hit my microphone if I try to put them on. Since, therefore, the children share in flesh and blood, that's us humans, he himself, Jesus, likewise partook of the same things. He became flesh and blood, that through death... He might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil. 
and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. Isn't that amazing? Fear brings us into slavery. And do you know people all over the world, in fact, everywhere, people fear death because they know that something is not right between them and God. And that's the reason that you go to any tribal religious group anywhere and the greatest fear they have is the fear of death. But he says that Jesus came to deliver us from the fear of death because through him we know what lies the other side of death. And then there's a fear of a, a, a slavery, rather, to religion. And that's what he's talking about in this letter. He says, there are people who are enslaved, their minds and lives are enslaved by religious demands, and they live trying their best to do their best, but always knowing that they're falling short. And so how can we be free? How can we free, really free? The Bible says whoever the Son sets free is really free. He is free indeed. He's truly free. How, how do we get free? Well, we come, but we have to let the Son set us free. Jesus sets us free. And he frees us from condemnation. Everybody lives knowing that they're not perfect. Any perfect people here? One preacher asked the congregation one time, did any of you know a perfect person? And one man held up his hand. And the preacher said, you know somebody perfect? He said, well, I actually never met him, but I think my wife's first husband must have been perfect. (laughs) Said she she acts like he was. Well, fact is he wasn't. Nobody's perfect. So how do we get how do we get free from condemnation? Well, the Bible says in Romans chapter eight verse one, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Isn't that wonderful? To be able to to know that God looks at me and He sees me in Christ and he says I have taken your sin so there's no condemnation but even more than that I have given you my righteousness so therefore what I see in you is not your righteousness that would be terrible wouldn't it if all I had was my own righteousness because the Bible says that all of my righteousness in God's sight are just like filthy rags But he says, I've given you my righteousness, which is perfect righteousness. You talk about a great exchange. He takes my dirty sin and gives me his perfect righteousness. So he says, because of that, you're free. You are free. Free from guilt. Free from guilt of the past. Free from weakness in the present because we're empowered by and indwelt by the Holy Spirit. And fear, 
free of fear of the future because I know whom I have believed. And I'm persuaded that he is able to keep what I've committed to him against that day. So the day of my death, the day of his coming. So God wants us to be free. He wants you to experience and enjoy that kind of freedom. Freedom from sin, freedom from fear, freedom from religion, as religious systems, freedom from ignorance and fear and all those kinds of things. But it's not just what he wants us to be free from, it's what he wants us to be free for. He wants us to be free to love him. You see, he wants us to be free from law and free to love. He wants us to be free from demand and free to delight in him. He wants us to be free to lay aside all that condemns us and welcome all that embraces us. And I would just say to you today, you know, uh, God really does love you. I meet people all the time who say, I just don't see how God could love me. Well, it's because they're thinking strictly in terms of human human affection, human love. God loves us not because of anything in us. He loves us because of something in him. God loves us because of who he is, not because of who we are. There's a song, popular song that's been out for a few years now. It says, not because of who I am, but because of what he's done. Not because of what I've done, but because of who he is. Isn't that a good way of saying it? God looks at us. He says, I love you. You say, well, but I've got a problem. I have sin. He says, I love you so much that I will take that sin on me and pay the price for it and then give you life, eternal life, abundant life, and you can be free, free to love. And you see, uh, let me just read one more passage of Scripture, and then uh, and it's in Romans chapter 6, beginning in verse, I think it's 17. Romans 6, 17, and 18. Thanks be to God that you who were once slaves to sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed and having been set free from sin, you have become slaves of righteousness. It's okay to be a slave if you have the right master. We had us we were slaves to sin, but now we're slaves to Christ, to righteousness. And uh 
I just appeal to you today, if you've not ever welcomed him, you see, again, Christianity is not a, a long list of rules and do's and don'ts and everything like that. There are some do's that we do and there are some don'ts that we don't. But we don't do them and don't them in order to make God love us. No, we do them because God loves us. And that's why he says you have obeyed from the heart, from the heart. So you fall in love with Jesus, trust him, and you won't need rules. The fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faith and self-control. Against those things, there's no law. There's no law. Well, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just love you so much. I thank you that you loved me. And I know that I love you because you loved me first. I know I'm not perfect in my own eyes. I'm not perfect in the eyes of other people. But I know that when you look at me and see me in Christ, you see no condemnation. You see your own righteousness imputed to me, given to me, counted on my behalf. And it makes me love you so much that I want to obey you. I want to trust you in every way. And I pray that you'll help us today to know that living for Jesus is really the life of freedom. It's not a life of rules and regulations. It's a life of joy, a life of peace, and a life of love. Help us to say in our heart, I want to be living for Jesus, a life that is true, and then we'll be striving to please him in all that we do because we love him. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. We invite you to like us on Facebook or visit our website www.bearcreekbaptist.org. If you're not a member of another church, we would like to invite you to join us in person and get to know us and let us get to know you. Have a great week and may the Lord richly bless you.